Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's conclude with part three of our vascular trauma. And um, one of the things we spoke about in prior talks, and just to reemphasize, in this case, a good example to really make the point, is that the ability to look at both soft tissue, look at vessels, look at bone, uh, all can be done in a single examination. Here's a patient with a gunshot wound. You very nicely see the shattered femur. And you can see that the patient's superficial femoral artery is intact. And if I add some skin, you actually can see where the entry wound is. And you actually can see also on the soft tissues where the bullet fragments still are on the inner thigh. And there's just two more views of that. And again, the ability, single examination, multiple bits of information, uh, the importance of that, particularly in terms of radiation dose, but also patient management, throughput, and cost cannot be overemphasized. And uh, here's just two more images, again, making a point I made before, particularly when I spoke about the axilla and scapula, about one advantage of doing MIP very quickly is the fact uh, with MIP, uh, when there's overlap, it's problematic, so volume rendering is really good in that scenario. Here you can see the uh, superficial femoral artery over the acetabulum, nicely seen on the volume rendered views, but not really appreciated uh, over on the MIP views. And of course, uh, if you remove the bone, it's not going to be an issue. But again, from a speed perspective, the volume rendering is much better. Also, in terms of the fact when you want to look at vessels and bone, volume rendering obviously is the way to look at bone. With MIP, you can see the gross distortions of the fractures, but not the fragments or the fine detail. And so you really would need the volume rendering to be able to look at the bone. So volume rendering answers uh, all the questions in a single examination. Now, let's also talk a little bit more about lower extremity trauma. And this is a good example of... Uh, a gunshot wound and we think about the different types of injuries we commented before but this is a great example of a patient who has spasm in the vessels on these first few images you can see the injury the air in the soft tissues uh, associated hematoma you can see the bullet fragment and when I get a little bit closer and this is where MIP works very well you can see the distal superficial femoral artery just above the popliteal the vessel is narrowed there's no contrast extravasation the vessel is patent so there's no occlusion but the vessel is narrowed and spasm is basically one of the reactions to trauma uh, typically the patient will not need any further management you want to make sure there's no large compressive hematoma in that area, but uh, you can see very nicely the spasm. A really good picture, one of the better examples. Again, if I'll just take away the bony structures, here it is, again, showing it to you on the, um, the MIP images. Again, the way I just think about spasm is if you have spasm in a vessel, the vessel tends to be smaller. It's not that it's irregular, but it's just lumen uh, is smaller. What else could it be? Could it be a focal dissection in the wall of the vessel compromising the lumen? That would be incredibly rare, and this is just way too smooth and way too long for that. So that's another type of injury. So we talk about... Uh, when you talk about injuries to vessels, regardless where they are, with stab wounds, gunshot wounds, we talk about spasm as one of the possibilities. We also talk about active extravasation. Here's just a great example. Seems like a lot of people in Baltimore get shot behind the knee. That's one of those, uh, I think, drug-related things to kind of shoot you behind your knee or something. But you can see the fracture fragments. You can also see the uh, bone. You can see also the, uh, the bullet fragments. You also can see the injuries to the soft tissue, and you see contrast extravasation. And the contrast extravasation in this case 
is basically located in the posterior popliteal fossa, very nicely defined in that location. You see it very nicely on the volume rendered images and you see it on the MIP images. So you think about these two cases, the last two cases, one with spasm, and here you can see disruption of the popliteal artery and active extravasation, very nicely shown. Again, timing is critical. My rule in these cases is be a little late rather than a little bit early. Early is far worse than being late in that regard. And here we'll just take you and show you that uh, thing again. And here's the extravasation present. And again, um, in these cases, these patients will go to embolization most typically. Here's the same patient where I go and put the, uh, the muscle back on, very nicely showing you the muscle injury as well as the vascular injury. So just a very nice example in terms of that regard. Now, in this lecture about vascular trauma, I did not go into a lot of details in terms of uh, major organs, but just a couple other points I wanted to make and show you with this case uh, was the uh, very dense adrenal glands. And if you're scanning patients and you see very dense adrenal glands, you better think about the patient going into shock. And the scan may be uh, the best indicator of that process. And this was an interesting case. This patient had a pelvic bleed. It wasn't the largest bleed I've ever seen. The patient had pelvic trauma, but this patient had very bright adrenals, also had very bright bowel, and here's another image of that, which is something you see with shock bowel, patients becoming hypovolemic, adrenals, bowel, of the classic appearance, and again, here's the bleed. So again, something to think about, and in a moment, the reason I brought that up as well is um, Often we will scan the abdomen and pelvis and lower extremities at the same time in these patients with multiple traumas, and so you need to look at the information from each of the sections. Now, um, just going back to the thigh for a moment, good example, patient with trauma, nice bleed, lateral musculature, uh, mid-thigh, and uh, again, in this case, you can see the vessels are intact, the muscle is intact, the underlying bone is intact, and again, the whole processing take away the bone you can see very nicely here just that's the shadow images after the pelvis the uh, sacrum and iliac wings and then distally the femurs are taken away and here you can see the entire runoff with the tibia and fibula taken away and then here's the vascular map and this patient had trauma to the left thigh there's some increased vasculature there but you're not seeing any extravasation i did leave in the humeral heads check that i did leave in the femoral heads but, uh, you know, you could take that out if you wanted to. Sometimes it's good to have a little bit of bone for landmarks, but that was by accident, not on purpose, to be honest. But here's, again, some very nice visualizations. And just to give you a feel, again, lower extremities, um, this works very nicely. The bone editing tools, automatic removal work well. Also, if you have a dual source scanner, one could try dual energy. Dual energy works very nicely in removing the bony structures. And if you have a dual energy scan in your ER, uh, that indeed may be the right thing to do. And you can see very nicely, just really nice examples. And then we go from there back to the patient's soft tissue. Okay, very, very nice example of that patient's trauma. Another case, in cast views, uh, looking for bony injury, which you can see the tibial plateau fracture, question about vessels. And here very nicely is the visualization of popliteal artery trifurcation beneath it, there it is on the MIP, and here it is on the volume rendering. So again, um, in this case, we see the fracture, but there's no vascular injury. Or in this case, a little bit more complicated tibial fracture. Very nice, these oblique views show you the popliteal artery 
unremarkable. Trifurcation vessels, unremarkable. Rotate the data set a little bit more. And again, very nicely showing you that information. Now, I'll also mention that one, once patients have gotten surgery, uh, often CTA is used to see the results of surgery or some of the complications. We often do, will do CTA in patients post-op to look uh, at how reconstruction should be done, whether grafts are necessary. And here's just a nice example showing you CTAs of the lower extremities in a patient with complex tibia and fibula fractures. So again, just one more application in that regard. Now, it's interesting, um, uh, articles keep coming out of the topic, and um, I'll just share with you a couple of articles that actually came out after uh, I wrote this talk. And well, one article came out before, but I want to put this article in there just to make the point that people often ask, what about pediatric patients? And we're all concerned about dose in pediatric patients, obviously. But in the right scenario, the use of 3D volume imaging and the evaluation of fractures and soft tissue injuries uh, is critical. Again, patient management is critical, rapid decision-making, and given the fact that trauma is a leading cause of morbidity and mortality in children, CT plays an important role in the evaluation of potential injury. Again, we want to minimize the doses from the studies, optimize what we need to do, but we need to do things correctly because otherwise, you know, you look back at this first quote I gave you, you know, actually you can cause more problems by not evaluating patients this way. And again, one of the concerns, a good article written the past year about the radiation doses to, that the second danger of radiation dose is not to be using it and the patient is harmed because you are so afraid of the potential of something theoretically happening. So again, common sense needs to be used. Now, a recent article, and here's the article I was referring to, spoke about pelvic injury. And um, I talked about this in one of the earlier talks just a bit, but this article had some good results. The, uh, the role of CTA... Uh, integrated into admission trauma imaging in order to triage patients with blunt pelvic trauma and its utility in detecting characterizing vascular injury, including differentiation of arterial from venous hemorrhage. And the authors made some points that I wanted to reiterate. 40% of patients with pelvic fractures have a major bleed, overall mortality up to 15% of this population, and death from hemorrhage usually occurs early. The point being, if you kind of follow the patient it may be a giant error. CT can be very critical in picking up those injuries that need to be intervened on. And there's all sorts of vascular injuries from active extravasation to occlusion to intimal injury with occlusion to pseudoaneurysms, dissections, AV fistula, venous injuries. Uh, it's really the way to go. Answers all of these questions. Another article just to, that kind of comes in there uh, this article by Gackle, which recently was published, it was in press, uh, talking about lower extremity injuries, and going back to this other article by uh, Kurzitz, which also really characterizes the importance of using CT. So I think hopefully what I've done over the last three lectures is show you the role of CTA in the vascular injuries in the ER setting. I focused on extremity imaging, but also mentioned the importance within the abdomen and pelvis. I could have talked in great detail about aortic injuries, MVA is ruling out aortic trauma, for example. CTA is the way to go, particularly with gated acquisitions. And I've spoken about that before, and we could address that in a further talk. And, but I think uh, as an hour talks to our uh, ER surgery team is that CT is critical for the successful management of the trauma patient 
early and rapid diagnosis allows early and rapid intervention, and early diagnosis and rapid intervention decreases morbidity and decreases mortality. So again, it's a critical study. As we mentioned, adults and pediatric patients, study protocols are critical, fast scanners are critical, CT angiography is critical. And if you put everything together, I think you're going to do a great job. And with that, that's part three, and that's as far as we go with this series. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.